wonderful to be in his presence, isn't it? Just to sense the presence of God just in this room and to know that heaven is coming down and he's touching earth. And I think that's just an amazing experience just to have. And I think we've, we've, we've grasped a bit of that this morning as Graham led us in worship. And uh, uh, I want you to come first of all with me this morning I'm going to be honest with you this morning I've no real conviction about the scripture but I feel the Holy Spirit wants us to use it as a base this morning and so we're just going to go with what the Holy Spirit wants this morning and just see where it takes us Amen Who's willing to go down that journey this morning? Yeah. Who's willing just to go down where the Holy Spirit wants to take us this morning? And uh, it's that verse in Ezekiel 22 and verse 30 As you're looking it up this morning I I just feel that the Lord wants to remind us that we have an audience this morning. Not so much looking at we have an audience with the king, but we have an audience who's watching in on this room this morning. And to me that sometimes puts a different complexity because we sometimes never think about that we are being watched as we hear the word of God as we praise his name there is God watching and he's jealous of his word that he watches his word as as it's sent forth in order that it is fulfilled and there's other other places in scripture that tell us that an innumerable company of angels are watching because they're watching a people whom they've watched the Saviour leave, leave heaven, they've watched the Saviour being born at Bethlehem, they've watched the Saviour die upon the cross of Calvary, they've watched the Saviour going into the tomb, they've watched the Saviour being resurrected, and they've watched the Saviour as he was received back up into heaven. And now he's, the angels are watching the people that God has saved. Isn't that amazing? That the audience this morning is God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who's working in our midst this morning, but also being watched by an innumerable number of angels who are taking note and watching. But we're also being watched this morning by the spiritual powers of darkness. Because they want to destroy and to obstruct and to hinder the working out of the word of God as it's proclaimed into your hearing this morning. That's serious too. Because there's powers of darkness at work who want to deter. God's got a message this morning he wants to bring to a company, but he also wants to bring it to individuals this morning. And the powers of darkness in heavenly places want to hinder that. You see, Daniel prayed in Daniel chapter 10, and he prayed, and God answered his prayer immediately, but there was no answer came back because there was a battle in heavenly places. And it took three weeks for that battle to be fought. And, it, and the, the archangel had to call on Michael to help him to get through with the answer. You see, there is a spiritual power at work this morning that is out to destroy the power of the word of God. And so as we come to this, uh, this verse this morning, and I want to open up uh, possibly in, in, in Samuel's life to see how that is illustrated, but we'll see how the Holy Spirit leads us in that. We sang at the start today, we're going to see Jesus lifted high, amen? 
and, and, and that is a, a wonderful thing to sing that's a wonderful thing to be, to be uh, in our hearts that we want to see Jesus lifted high we're going to see Jesus lifted high but how is that going to happen? how are we going to see Jesus lifted high in Moody's burn? how are we going to see Jesus lifted high in central Scotland? How are we, are we going to see Jesus lifted high in this nation? In our verse, Ezekiel 22 and verse 30 says, God says to Ezekiel, I looked for a man. Now I'm taking that word man broadly here this morning. That include every one of us sitting here irrespective of our gender. That God is looking for a person from among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. God is putting forth a message this morning, the same message that he put forth through Ezekiel because the nation, if we read through uh, Ezekiel 22, we really find the, the nation in a terrible state. We find the nation in a, in a state of darkness. We find the nation in a state of departure from God. We find a, a, a state amongst the, the priests and the prophets of God who were delivering their own agenda and not God's. How modern is that? <laughs> Because our nation that we live in, not Israel and not Jerusalem, but isn't that true of the nation of Scotland? And in the midst of that darkness and departure, God looks for individuals. You'll notice that every time that God has something to do in the Bible, he found an individual. Whether it be Abraham, whether it be Moses, whether it be Joseph, whether it be Joshua, whether it be uh, Elijah, whether it be, it, it be David, whether it be, it, it be Daniel, whether it be Nehemiah, whether it be Haggai. <coughs> if God wants to do something, he normally starts with an, inv an individual. And God hasn't changed in that. And this verse this morning is as relevant today as it was when Ezekiel proclaimed that, that I am looking, God says, for someone who will be prepared to sacrifice everything to serve before me on behalf of the nation. It might be that God has put something in your heart this morning that you know that it's from God but you've never let it come alive. And it might be this morning, the reason I'm reading this verse is mainly for you. That God wants what he's put in your heart to come alive this morning. To come to fruition. To come to fulfillment. That that dream, every one of you I'm sure this morning has a dream. Yeah? I'm sure every one of you have a dream in God this morning that you want to see this happen and that happen and the next thing happen and God has put a dream in your heart. And this might be the morning that that dream starts to take light. That dream starts to be lit. And I would love if I was a fuse lighter this morning that lights your fuse 
the order that that, that, that that fuse is lit you know the old westerns you know where, where you, you've got the tough guy with, you, with a cigar in his mouth and, and, and they're going to blow up that, that bank or something and you know and he just, he just does that because he's laid, the, he's laid the powder and you see that flame working along you know at the end there's going to be an explosion doesn't it you know the outcome's always the same there will be an explosion once that fuse has been lit that, that line of gunpowder that line of water has been lit and I believe that God this morning is looking for fuse lighters and looking for people who are willing to be sacrificed on the altar for God in order that there might be a turning in this nation Amen and so God says I look for a man I'm looking just now at the, uh, at the Cumbus Line revival in the mid 18th century, 1742. Now, the guy who was the minister in, in, in Cumbus Lang, not far from here, you can go to Cumbus Lang in what, about 20 minutes from here? Not far, not very far from here. And he wasn't an orator, he wasn't a preacher, he wasn't a great speaker, but he was a good pastor. And so, William McCulloch was the pastor of Cumbus Lang Church in the mid 18th century and nothing much was happening in that particular area the church people came Sunday after Sunday and went away Sunday after Sunday but there was nothing happening there was no fire there was no life there was no change in, in, in their lives and there was no change in the community He wanted to see God move in a mighty way. Now at the same time as in Cumbus Line, that we, it was a, 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 an actual village at one time that wasn't in Glasgow at all, it was just a wee village that was, that was on its own, a lot of farming, a lot of weaving getting done there. And they used to weave, I think it was fine lace or fine linen in Cumbus Line. But it was an isolated wee village and it wouldn't be half the size of Woodysburn today. And yet, God was starting to move. And Cumbus Lang, at the same time he was moving over in Massachusetts, in America. Oh God's big. You know, we, we sang that this morning. How, 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 how big is our God? He's moving in Cumbus Lang in Scotland. And he's moving in Massachusetts in Northampton by a guy, a guy called Jonathan Edwards. And, and, and in the mid-18th century, 1740, Willie McCulloch was in touch with Jonathan Edwards. Now, no email, no telephone. The only way that he could communicate was by letter. And how long that would take, I don't know. But these two, they found each other. And this is amazing. In the mid-18th century, that they could communicate with each other. And God was moving in two different parts of the world with two men who were linked <coughs> which in natural terms would be impossible. And William McCulloch started to preach on regeneration. He started to preach on new life. He started, he started to preach on you must be born again. He started to preach on, on, on the Christians moving in the power of this new life that they had in Jesus Christ. And he preached one morning, on a Sunday morning, on you must be born again. He preached on a number of actual sermons leading up to that but in 1742 he preached on a 
Our sermon on you must be born again. And there was a change in the atmosphere in that church that morning. There was something sort of different about what was happening in that church. There seems to be there seemed to be a livingness had come amongst God's people. And there was a number of people were weeping. A number of people were before God with their lives and renewing them in God, repenting. And there's a, a company of them came back to the manse, which was just next door. And one woman in particular, she wanted to know the arms of Jesus around her. She wanted to know the joy of this life that William McCulloch had been preaching about. And she was in such a state that she was almost hysterical. And she's crying out and crying out and, the, and the, there's a whole group in there and they're watching this and they're affected by this and there's lots of weeping and there's lots of repenting and there's lots of things happening. And that was the moment that God came down and come beside and did amazing works. In a village that was half, not even half the size of Woodisburn, there are congregations at times of 30,000. Come on. <laughs> Is that not amazing? And George Whitfield got to know about that. And George Whitfield was, was moving between Massachusetts too and, and England. And he came up to Scotland. And there was something power about, powerful about these communion times. That when they, they gathered for a whole weekend for communion. And it was probably out in the fields. And one of the congregations that George Whitfield and William McCullough preached at, there was 30,000 present. And from that revival, Robe who was from Kilsyth, he took that back to Kilsyth, others went back to Stuartton, to Ayrshire, and the revival touched even Nig up in the north of Scotland. The fire had been lit in the darkest area of Scotland in the mid-18th century. Because when you read what, is, what the state of the nation was and the state of the national church was in the mid-18th century, you would think you're reading an up-to-date version of that story. And the same God that would move in a, an isolated village in Cumbus Lang that had effects and ripples that touched not only Scotland but touched England and touched the rest of the world. And I long to see that happening again in Scotland. Amen? And my prayer is that it would happen in Moodysburn. That Moodysburn would be the fuse that likes the blast that is going to turn the heart of Scotland back to God. Come on, who's with me in this? And I, and I came with such a burden this morning because I really didn't, didn't know what God was wanting to do this morning. And I trusted the Holy Spirit that was going to just take over and lead us and guide us as to where he wants us to go. But I believe that God is, is putting out a call this morning. To move from mediocrity and normality and Christian living into a regenerate state of liveliness in Him. Amen? That we start to become alive to everything that we have in Christ by the Holy Spirit in our lives here in this room this morning. Overflowing life of God. That God 
You know, I went to sleep last night with a with a, a phrase on, on my mind, and I woke up during the night, two thousand. In fact, Jenny and I had a had a a cup of tea about halfway through the night. I think it was. I can't remember what it was, but uh, oh, I have a Jenny. I could do a cup of tea. So, being a faithful husband, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and so I went down. But this phrase has been ringing in my ear since last night. And right through the whole sm- of the morning, when I was up at my desk this morning, at the back of seven o'clock, this phrase has been in my mind. And this might be the phrase, oh, I pray that's the phrase, that this is the fuse lighter. It's a phrase that's attributed to D.L. Moody, but it wasn't D.L. Moody, she just used it. It was a phrase that came from another a British revivalist called uh, Henry Varley who ended up in Australia and I wrote it in the front of my Bible because it was just so powerful it's this the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully concentrated to him I'm going to read it again okay the world is yet to see what God can do with a man or a woman fully consecrated to him that's the man that we're reading about in Ezekiel chapter 22 that's the man, the man who is, is distinctive and devoted and determined to bring in the presence of God to wherever he is wow and do you have heard that phrase and it's in, it's in the film of his life him saying it but it really wasn't his saying but what he said was this by the grace of God I am that man and when D.O. Moody surrendered his life at that moment to, and the sacrifice his life to all other things except the service of God D.O. Moody touched the continents of this world Amen you know we don't know who's in this congregation this morning that God has already placed in their heart something that I'm speaking about and God is, is saying this morning it's time it is your time to be released in the fullness of all that I have for you it's your time to be released in uh, the plans and purposes I have written for your life and age is no, is no concern to God Moses was 80 Abraham was, was 99 or 100 when he, he had Isaac when he brought forth the fruit of promise. So age this morning is nothing in God's eyes. And as I said at the start of the meeting this morning, there's an audience watching the reaction to the word of God. There's that which is godly, and there's that which is powerfully evil. And the powerful evil forces in heavenly places this morning want to take this word out of your heart and say, it's not you. Come on. There's a force at work in this morning that's saying into your heart, it's not you. It's not you. It's not you. But you can say, by the grace of God, I will be everything that God has said I can be. Amen? And I can do everything that God says I can do. Yeah? Come on now. This is serious this morning because God is desperate to see the heart of this nation turn back to him. I've possibly told you the story before, but I'm going to reiterate it again. I remember being up in Saxeford in Shetland 
and after meeting God perfectly on the top of that, that mountain top we got back into the car and we had a prayer meeting for the nation of Scotland and I took a pain in my heart and I knew it wasn't a heart attack and it only lasted for about 10 seconds and the same voice that spoke to me out there on the mountain top was the same voice that said to me in that car on the top of Saxe floor with a gale blowing that would blow the car that was always moving the car although the brakes were on and the very same voice that spoke to me outside now said as I experienced that pain I want you to experience something of the pain I have for Scotland and that birthed in me something that I wanted to see God come in glory and God come in power and God come and touch his people in such a way that they would become alive in the spirit of God that they would come alive and everything that God had planned for them. That they would come out from just being normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill Christians. That they would be distinctive as the man in Ezekiel was. I am looking for a man from among them. You see, God is not looking for angels. He's not looking for men from America. or men. He's looking for someone here in Woodisburn who will say, Yeah, I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. I want to tell you, if that happened this morning, heaven will rejoice. There'd be an amazing rejoicing in heaven that here was a man or a woman who was willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of the gospel. I want to tell you, if you're that man or that woman this morning, you can make a change in this place. You can make a change in Woodisburn. You can make a change that the ripples will will be felt throughout this nation. (coughs) And God is saying, are you that man? Are you that woman? Who is, who is going to rise up from among the people who is going to be devoted to stand in the gap before God you know it takes sacrifice to stand before God continually giving God no rest day or night until he sees or till she sees the kingdom of God come in power and in glory I want to tell you we are standing on the verge of eternity because if a day is but a thousand years in the, in the sight of the Lord, we are standing on the verge of eternity. And the time for our opportunity to serve him like this is running out. And if you're not a Christian this morning, I want to tell you, you're standing on the verge of eternity. And if you pass into eternity without Jesus Christ as your saviour, the opportunity to be saved will be gone and gone forever. And you might be the man or woman this morning that God is calling out for salvation. That this is your moment, that your opportunity, your time has come, that you are like that lady in Cambus Lang, who by her conversion opened up the floodgates of heaven. Amen. Because it was during that time that she was being brought into the arms of Jesus in the manse that night that something broke in Cambus Lang. That instead of meeting every week now, they wanted to the minister to meet during the week and give another, another message and it ended up that there was meetings every night all because one lady came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and that broke are you the lady this morning or are you the man this morning that will come to the Lord Jesus Christ come weeping to the cross come confessing your sins and you might be the one that likes the hearts and minds of the Christians here in Buddhism we don't know how God works but that's how it worked in Cumbus Lang a 15 year old boy was walking through the snow in Colchester he was hungry he was cold 
he was just looking for a place to get warm but also he was under conviction of sin and he was a Methodist he had been brought up in the Methodist uh, church and the church that he found open was a Methodist church but he was so cold and he was so hungry that he went into that Methodist church in Colchester round about the same time that we're speaking about in Columbus Line maybe the next century right enough uh, yeah and so as he listened to that minister that night cold but hungry and convicted of sin and the sermon that night was from Isaiah look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth and that night God saved that young man tears running down his cheeks you know who that young man was? Charles Hadley Spurgeon see you never know who's coming to Jesus <laughs> eh? you never know who's coming to Jesus and that night that young 15 year old man came to know Jesus Christ the Saviour and he surrendered his life to become the Prince of Preachers In the church that he joined, he became a Sunday school teacher. Just like going through next door. But I want to tell you, when he was a Sunday school teacher, most of his class were not only children, but were adults, because they wanted to hear what Charles Hadley Spurgeon was saying. He was bringing a word of life. He was bringing a word that was alive. He was bringing a word that God was using to touch lives. And out of that came that wonderful ministry of Charles Hadley Spurgeon. That not only had the effect in England, but it rippled right through the rest of the world. And what I believe God is saying this morning, this is not the way I, I, I saw this meeting going, but I believe that God is moving in here this morning. I believe that God is moving in a life this morning. I believe God is, is calling out. Someone this morning that God has placed in your heart something that has never come to fruition. That God has placed in your heart a vision, a dream, an expectation. Or it might be this morning that for the first time as a Christian you're starting to feel alive in the Spirit of God. Where you see how mighty our God is and how he can take a single person and change a nation. He took Elijah out of nowhere. If you read the, the story of Elijah uh, in 2 Kings, you'll find that he came out of nowhere. And now Elijah is our introduction to Elijah. But God used that man to turn the heart of the nation. He used that man to bring down fire from heaven. He used that man to kill off the prophets of Baal. He used that man mightily in the nation will it be one day when they write the annals of the history of Scotland that they'll talk about the Moody'sburn revival eh come on now would you not love that would you love that Graham yes. would you love to be part is it Robert no, no. Bill yeah, I need enough <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get any letters right, Bill. <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful that 
that God spoke to you in a meeting with a few, oh, wee fat guy from Falkirk who shouts a lot but brought the word of God affected you who brought the word of God in a way that spoke into your life that brought the word of God that made you alive to what the possibilities were and when the annals of history are written William McCullough never thought that he would go down in history that night he preached that sermon you must be born again Charles Hadley Spurgeon never imagined that night he came to Jesus that he would change so many lives in his lifetime and who knows what God can do with you who knows what God can do the world has yet to see what God can do in a man or a woman who, are, who is fully consecrated to him what is God going to do with your life let me put it another way what are you going to allow God to do in your life because God has the most amazing plans and purposes and dreams and visions for every one of you sitting here but wouldn't it be sad if these dreams and these visions lay dormant on the shelves of heaven and the powers of evil are rejoicing because they stole the word from out of your heart they stole the vision they stole the dream they brought in so much into your life that, that killed the vision that smothered the vision I was going to go into, into Samuel this morning but we've, we've not got there because I, I believe that God you're hearing not my heart cry this morning I believe you're hearing God's heart cry this morning I believe you're hearing God's heart cry for every one of you in the room this morning his heart cry is where is the man or the woman who will be fully consecrated to me that I can use to turn the heart of this nation back to God wow it doesn't matter what your circumstances are it doesn't matter what your education is it doesn't matter what your station in life is God is able to use a surrendered life God is willing to use an available life God is willing to use a life that says God I want to be that man or that woman and unless you make that commitment and unless you make that surrender how sad it will be when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat and he shows you what your life could have been. I think that will be the saddest moment in my life when Jesus shows me the plans and purposes that he had for me. But because I said no, because I went this way and made that and I never fulfilled, the, oh, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to stand before Christ with regrets. I want to stand before Christ knowing that whatever he has said to me, I've heard it. And by the grace of God, I've tried to complete it. Now how sad it would be if the plans of God for your life are still on the shelf of heaven at the end of your life. You see, to me, 
The greatest tragedy in life is not death. To me the greatest tragedy in life is having lived and died and never fulfilled the purpose for which you were born. Because every one of you was chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. Before the old world that was ever made, God had already chosen you in Christ from before the foundation of the world in order to be the administrator of his will and purpose in this day and generation. Now you can rise up from this meeting and say, well, <coughs> not for me. Or you can rise up from this meeting this morning and say, God, I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. And whatever it deems you to do in my life, I want you to do it. Because when that happens, it'll be for your glory. And it'll be for the extension of your kingdom. I close with this. I close with Samuel. In Samuel chapter 3, it says you've got two folks in the picture. You've got Eli and you've got Samuel. It says of Eli that he went to lie down in his usual place. But David lay down where the ark of the Lord was. You see, we can go out from here the same way as we come in and do our usual stuff. Or we can say, I want to be the man who hears the voice of God. I want to be the woman who hears the voice of God. And there's a young boy called Samuel. He didn't recognize God, God's voice at first. But Eli, he had a, still a wee bit sense in him. And he said, listen, the next time the voice speaks, says, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Maybe God's called you three times. Maybe he's called you thirty times. Maybe this is the first time you've heard his call in your life, but he's speaking. Are you willing to be like Samuel and say, God, speak? I want to hear what you're saying. And by the end of that chapter, it says that the, the words of Samuel were heard throughout the nation. How great is our God? How big is our God? How mighty is our God? How powerful is our God? It could be seen in a surrendered life that puts his kingdom first and to be the man or the woman that God will raise up to touch not only this place but who knows to touch the nation and to touch the nations of the world that's how big our God is so what can God do? God can do amazing things with a man or a woman who is fully consecrated to him in my heart cry my prayer this morning is that it would be a response to the word of God not to be at my cake but to the word of God and to see what amazing things God can do with you.
and through you for his glory and the building of his kingdom. Amen.